To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at the beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace. From God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, amen. The word of God upon which we base our message this morning is in the bulletin from Philippians 1 beginning at verse 3. I thank my God for all the memories I have of you. Every time I pray for all of you, I do it with joy. I can do this because of the partnership we've had with you in the good news from the first day you believed until now. And St. Paul wrote those words while he was in prison to some members of one of the mission congregation that he had founded in Greece, and now he was in Rome in jail. And yet he says, I do it with joy. In the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, my beloved, I mounted this pulpit for the very first time on August 16, 2007. And so I have been privileged to serve you and blessed to have served you for the past 13 years to the very day. First of all, as your vacancy pastor, and then secondly, as your senior pastor, as I was installed on April 8, 2008. During those years, Peg and I have had the opportunity to serve on the South Wisconsin District's interview committee. And what that committee is all about, and it's made up of half pastors and half lay people, is uh, we interview especially students who are in college and they want to go on to the seminary and become pastors to see their personality, personality, etc. And one of the questions uh, among many that we always ask, and it wasn't one of my favorite questions, we asked the young men, what joys do you anticipate in the Lutheran pastoral ministry? And most of the time they would make something up about how they would anticipate that or anticipate this. And then there was one astute student, and we said, well, what kind of joys do you anticipate in the Lutheran ministry? He said, I don't know, I've never been a Lutheran pastor, you tell me. (laughs) And unfortunately, there was sort of a deafening silence for a few moments. And then, I don't know, sort of brazenly, I piped in and I said, well, you know, to understand this question, you have to understand that there's a difference between happiness and joy. And then I gave my explanation, and you've heard me say it from this pulpit perhaps several times. Happiness is emotional. Joy is spiritual. Happiness on this side of eternity is only temporary. Joy is eternal. Happiness can be experienced by just about everybody. Joy is only experienced 
by the children of God because it's a gift from God himself. And in the bulletin, there is a definition of joy, although there's a little bit of a typo error. But the, and this is Kay Warren's ex, uh, definition of joy, and it's the best one I've ever found, especially to differentiate it from happiness. And she said, Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. That means right now. The second little part is the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. That means in the future. And the determined choice to praise God in all things. And that means the seemingly good and the seemingly bad because God has a plan for all of us with all of them. Today I conclude my full-time pastoral ministry. And with that, I thank God for blessings received, especially the blessing of joy. And permit me this morning to uh, relate to you some of the anecdotes of joy. Pastors are called upon to baptize, most of the time to baptize babies. Dearly beloved, Christ our Lord says in the last chapter of Matthew, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and baptize all nations in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In the last chapter of Mark, our Lord promises, Whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. And the Apostle Paul has written, Baptism now saves you. They brought young children to Jesus that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when they saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. And so the sponsors approach this altar many times with the child. And I said, baby, do you renounce the devil? Yes, I renounce him. Do you renounce all his works? I do renounce them. Do you renounce all his ways? I do renounce them. Do you believe in God the Father Almighty, his Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit? Yes, I believe. Baby, do you desire to be baptized? Yes, I do. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And every time I did that, I always get emotional. And on those, oh, those occasions, most of the time, it is happiness and joy. But not always. Because, you know, pastors many times get calls in the middle of the night and when, you, and when you get those calls, you know it's never good. Pastor, please come in a hurry. Our baby daughter was just born and she is premature. You have to come and baptize her. And you get in the car in the middle of the night and you rush off to the hospital and you get to the neonatal uh, department and you put on your surgical gown and your surgical mask and they give you some rubber gloves and some sterilized water and you put your hand through the holes of the incubator 
I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And there was joy, but at that time, not happiness. But thanks be to the Lord, the baby grew to be a strong, healthy young lady. And so there was joy and happiness. We had a baptism most recently here at Beautiful Savior, and that is Piper Tremel, and she's here this morning. But Piper uh, didn't get off to a real good start, and so when she was born, the doctor said she had to have surgery three days after birth. And so Rachel, her mother, knew what to do, and so she baptized Piper in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And there was joy, but it was perhaps anxious joy at that time, but not a whole lot of happiness until... A few weeks later and a couple months later and you all came up to the altar for the reaffirmation of the baptism and then there was happiness and joy and Piper is this, here with us this morning. She's still do, doing great, right? Pastors are also called upon to administer the Lord's Supper. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he also took the cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, drink from it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the remission of all of your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. There's one communion service I will never forget. Pastor down in uh, Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, and one evening, I got a call from a nice young man on the other end of the phone. And he said, Pastor, I live here in Kentucky. And I am so hungry for the Lord's Supper. And I just have to have it. And there's no church down here. I said, well, what are we going to do? He says, well, fortunately, I own my own airplane. And so I will fly up to Champaign, and you can commune me at the airport. Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Take and drink. This is the true blood of Jesus Christ. I'll never forget it. And what a demonstration of Christian joy on the part of that young man. And a pastor's responsibility, according to his call, is also to preach. I tell you, some of the most humbling experiences from this pulpit and fills a person with great joy is when so many people, healthy people, have advantages to, to hear the Word of God and don't necessarily take the opportunity. But over the years, people with arthritis and joints that ache and cancer and walk with walkers and their oxygen tanks, and they will drag themselves into this place to hear God's Word. It humbles me, and it's a great demonstration of their joy. Pastors are also called to do evangelism. 
first congregation that I had was the Mission Congregation, as I mentioned before, down at St. Uh, uh, Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. We started out with 22 members. <clears throat> and uh, that was back in 1973, and believe it or not, you could actually still canvas neighborhoods and knock on doors, and people would actually answer and talk with you a little bit. Of course, you got some doors slammed in your face. And you could still ask them the question, if you were to die tonight, do you know for sure where you would be? People today, they don't even care. So uh, it was the July that I was, uh, was uh, installed, ordained. And, uh, you know, down in central Illinois, in the middle of the plains there, it can really be hot in July. And so I was doing canvassing. I forgot to take a bottle of water along with me. And I was canvassing for about two hours. And I was really hot. And nothing was happening. I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to do one more block. And then I'm going home. I'm just too tired. So I knocked on the door of the house on the corner of the next block. A nice pretty lady answered the door. I told her who I was and everything else. She said, just wait here a minute. Let me go and get my husband. We've been waiting for you. I took the husband and wife through confirmation class, also confirmed their three kids, and they became the first and many pillars of that mission congregation. Brings great joy and some happiness to listen or to, for me to review that history. Pastors are also called upon to officiate at funerals and minister at deathbeds. And there is no happiness, but there is joy. Almighty God, you breathed life into Adam and have given earthly life also to this member, your dear child and servant. With faith in your power to heal and save, we commend him to you. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Dear son, dear daughter, go in peace. May God the Father who created you, may God the Son who redeemed you and saved you with his blood, may God the Holy Spirit who sanctified you in the water of holy baptism, receive you into the company of saints and angels to await the resurrection and live in the light of his glory forevermore. Again, as I mentioned before, there's nothing worse in a pastoral ministry than to get a call in the middle of the night because it's never good. Pastor, please come. This is the worst call I've ever had to make. My son died. Middle of the night, after listening to the whole story, Peg and I could do nothing else except out of, get out of bed and read scripture into the wee hours of the morning. That was the year when I was a pastor at St. Paul's Franklin where we had two of the children of our parochial school die in tragic deaths in one year. One in the fall, I believe, was a 12-year-old sixth grader. The other uh, one was a kindergartner. Hard thing to do, bury kids. As I was preaching, in my mind I was saying, why is this happening? There's only sadness. And then I remember at the committal of the second child, 
the principal of the school came up to me and said, Pastor, perhaps you're here for such a time as this. And there was no happiness, but there was joy. And more recently, Pastor, come quickly. My grandma is dying. I think she's your member. Which hospital? Went up to the hospital. It was very, very unexpected. One of our senior members. No symptoms at all. All of a sudden, the doctor said, she's only going to be living for a day, maybe even hours. I remember walking into the, to the uh, hospital room, and she said, Pastor, I'm so afraid. She said, I does Jesus still love me? I know I haven't been attending church as often as I should. And that's where the pastoral ministry meets the road. The rubber meets the road. And you can say, but, dear lady, Jesus died for you. He went to the cross for you and all your wrongdoings and all your misgivings and whatever it is, it's all forgiven. And it's going to be hard but Jesus is going to take your hand and you're going to walk through the gates of heaven together and then you'll finally be home. It hath pleased Almighty God in his wisdom to take out of this world the soul of our departed brother. We now commit his body to the ground, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust, in the sure and certain hope of the resurrection to eternal life. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. May God the Father who created this body, may God the Son who by his blood redeemed this body together with the soul, may God the Holy Spirit who by holy baptism sanctified this body to be his temple, keep these remains to the day of the resurrection of all flesh. Amen. And then there are the joys of those who remember you. Recently got a uh, letter from one of our members. He uh, used to be a pastor at uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. <clears throat> lady wrote to me. She said, Hi, Pastor Robbie. I don't know if you will remember me. Karen Kosis. I am the daughter of George and Nancy Kosis from Holy Trinity Lutheran Evangelical Church in Wyoming, Michigan. Dad went to be home with our Savior on May 18th. He would have been 90 in July. He was at home with all of us, plus his grandkids. He wasn't in pain which we were very thankful for. So we have been doing a lot of reminiscing in the last month or two. Many of the stories that Dad liked to tell and we loved to hear were the stories with you, Dick Kiewig, and Dad, both council members. Jody Kiewig was also able to come to Dad's funeral, and she also told the same stories of the three of you. Just thought I would reach out to you and let you know that your friends at Holy Trinity still think of you, Mrs. Robbie, and the kids. Blessings, Karen. Forty years ago, that was. And now, for the greatest joy of all. Hebrews chapter 12. 
Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What is the joy that caused him to endure the cross? You are! You are his joy and the apple of his eye. And so we hear the words of Scripture, he's not here because he has risen, as he said, and because I live, you too shall live. You are his joy. I thank my God for all of the memories I have of you. Every time I pray for all of you, I do it with joy. I can do this because of the partnership we've had with you in the good news from the first day you believed until now. Closing with these words from St. Peter, first, first uh, letter, chapter 1. All men are like grass. All their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Today I thank God and stand before you thanking him for the 47 years of my pastoral ministry. And my beloved, I thank you for the 13 years. But most of all, I thank you for the joy. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.